0: Welcome back to Cole and Zach in the morning. My name is Zach uh, and I will be your travel guide through episode three of this podcast. Nice.
1: All right, so what's going on in your life this week? How's your week been?
0: It's been good. We're on a spring break. I work for, a, uh, as you know, I work for a university and so we're on spring break this week and my plate's been a little bit light. Um, but as I was thinking about spring break in my plans. I was thinking about when you and I did some spring break trips together. I believe yes. we only did one. Our sophomore year, you and our other roommate, Josh, we went out to Vegas where I grew up mm-hmm. for the break. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Vegas, baby.
0: Vegas, baby. The classic <laughs> spring break trip. Uh, <laughs> And I remember asking you guys, what do you want to do? And I was thinking, okay, we're going to go see some shows. We're going to like, go see the blue man group or like
1: some like, wow, really? Those never crossed my mind.
0: Oh my word. That's like all I was thinking about. I was thinking we're going to see some like some like magician or some comedians or stuff like that. Maybe go up to the stratosphere, right? some Roller coasters and stuff up there. I was thinking like we would do that classic Vegas stuff, just minus like the gambling and uh, promiscuity. But you and Josh wanted to go hiking.
1: Of course. It's the Southwest. There's so many cool places to go.
0: You're right. It is a beautiful place. Absolutely incredible. But I know you can't tell by my voice, uh, but those listening, my body ain't built for hiking. (laughs) Uh, My body built for rolling. And (laughs) I'm kind of like nervous. And you guys are like, I want to to drive to Utah and let's do Angel's Landing at uh, Zion National Park.
1: Yes, we had decided that we were going to Vegas, and so I tried to find some kind of national park that we could go to. The one that I hadn't been to was Zion, hmm. and at Zion, there is this hike called Angel's Landing. It's like a, what is it, like a three-mile round-trip hike or four-mile. Like, it's not terribly long. But it takes you from the middle of the canyon, like up to the ridge and over this like really narrow gap so that you can see a beautiful vista of the canyon. And it's rated as top five hikes in America. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I wanted to do this hike. But there was one problem. Me. The hike was listed as, yeah, you, (laughs) was listed as very strenuous. And I knew that if I told you that, you would not want to go on the hike. So I didn't tell you that.
0: (laughs) Yes. And A little bit more context as we were preparing for a trip to zion you and josh were like hey there's like red rock hiking spots near vegas like let's go do that as practice yeah and i'm sitting there going like i'm not looking forward to zion why do i want to like waste some time practicing climbing rocks when we're gonna be just doing that the next day it's not like if i didn't do well there we weren't gonna end up going to zion but we went and i remember being like reluctant. And you were like, well, don't worry. It's a family friendly hike. It's not that serious. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's family friendly. And you're like, well, they have ratings for how easy hikes are. So that was the first time that Mm -hmm. that concept was introduced to me. So I survived that hiking trip. And on our way to Zion, I asked, Hey, this probably has a ranking as well. Right. And you're like, uh, (laughs) yeah. And I'm like, what is it? And you're like, um, it's like, family friendly, but more moderate.
1: Yeah. I think I told you moderate. like
0: moderate and I'm like, okay, yeah. only a little bit harder. You're like, yeah, a little bit harder. And it wasn't until we're, like, halfway through the hike where we go up Walter's no. Wiggles.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Walter's Wiggles. I forgot Walter's about Walter's Wiggles.
0: <laughs> and it's, like, 20 or so, like, just... I don't even know what it's called. Like, you just kind of go back and forth. I don't even know how to even describe Walter's Wiggles. Switchbacks. Switchbacks. Thank you. Yeah, that's the official term. We're going switchbacks. And there's, like, 20 of them. And I'm, like, halfway through resting, catching my breath after every, like, two or three. And I'm, like, Cole, there's no way that this is only just, like, modern moderately strenuous And you're like, oh yeah, it's actually highly strenuous. Oh, I'm going to push you off this mountain. <laughs>
1: and <laughs> Which you, you definitely could have. It was very sketchy yes, because there's like no, no gardens, railings none and all. it's just 300 feet straight down. And yes. then come to find out two weeks before Ugh. we got there, somebody had died yes. falling off of it. And
0: I asked you like, am I going to die today? And you're like, well, there's a precedent for that.
1: And I'm like, you...
0: <laughs> And I'm just like – because I'm aware that entire time that if I slip – and again, body built for rolling, I'm going down. Like I will go all down those 14 wiggles and like you'll never see me
1: again. But then we get to the Angel's Landing part, which we thought was like – I'm looking it up right now. It's a five-mile hike. Okay. You go up the first maybe one and a half or two. um, And then you have – and then there's the option to go out another half mile. Mm Mm-hmm. And this half mile takes you over this piece of the canyon, this little crest of the canyon that's maybe four or five feet wide. And there's a chain. And you hold on to the chain (laughs) and walk across this little gap of the canyon. Uh, And then you climb straight up or like you kind of have to boulder up the last hundred feet or so up to Angel's Landing proper, like the real Angel's Landing. And I got out to that little strip and I just felt like everything in me stopped because <laughs> it's like this, this chain is like shaking and there's people trying to go both ways uh, and you have to cross on this chain. And so like you're hugging every person you try to cross because you don't want to let go of the angels the saving chain. Yeah. yeah. Angels hugging. And I, I got out that far and I turned around. Our roommate though, he made it all the way out, Josh. He did. Yes.
0: And yeah. he had the backpack with the car keys in it. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> yes, I remember yes, like we were, I remember yeah. waiting
0: back in like a little picnic area in the resting area where I'm uh-huh. just chilling. And I'm sitting there going like, wait if Josh dies, like I'm stranded here, I don't have another set of car keys. I know that's really morbid to think about, but it popped in my head because like (laughs) I saw the chain and I'm like, how long has that chain actually been there? (laughs) Like, (laughs) and so then Josh gets back and I remember Mm -hmm. asking him, how was it? And he goes, it was good. And I'm like, well, that's great. I'm glad it was like kind of worth it for you. Were you scared at any point? And he said there was one time where he like went to like turn to his right and his elbow hit the water, like the plastic water bottle sitting in the his backpack. And mm-hmm. he goes, it knocked it and fell out of the backpack. And he goes, I never heard it land anywhere. And he goes, that's yeah. when I knew. What was at stake. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I am so glad with my decision not to go out there. I would not have made it. You would have had one less friend for sure.
1: Because if you fall out there, it's not like, oh, you're dead. It's like, no, you have time to think about your mistakes and everything that went wrong before you, <laughs> before hit,
0: the you hit the ground. You have a solid 30 <laughs> seconds to like give your life over to the Lord. Like you have you don't have to worry about this blink of an eye situation that's talked about in scripture. You just You get to give it all to God. You can sing the whole doxology on the way down and be just fine. But I do remember from that trip, the Mexican food we had afterwards. I don't know if you remember that. That place
1: was so good. Oh, yeah. There's a little Mexican restaurant right outside of Zion. It's just incredible. I remember
0: being like, it was worth it. I was so (laughs) worth it. And I got to um, invest a little bit more into the body that's meant to roll. So it it was a good time.
1: It is a great hike, and I would recommend it to anybody. Just be aware that if you're afraid of heights, you're probably not going to have a good time. Yeah,
0: and if you don't like hiking, you're probably not going to have a good time.
1: Okay, Zach, so we're in this season of Lent, which is part of the church calendar. And the church calendar kind of feels like an auxiliary part of being a Christian. It's not really something that I hear much about, Mm -hmm except right around Easter and Christmas. Yeah. So I was kind of curious what you think of the church calendar, if it's something that's useful for us and what we can do with a calendar that's dedicated to, to the faith.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good question. It's something I'm being challenged a lot by right now because I serve at church, I'm on staff at church that is very liturgical and traditional when it comes to the church calendar, when it comes to how how we go about our week-to-week uh, scripture readings I think uh, one of my favorite times growing up when I attended a church that didn't really actively participate in the church calendar like wholeheartedly in terms of like the whole year, but we did, of course, Advent and the Lenten season and Easter. And I remember loving those Advent and Lenten times. I mean, those were spaces, those were weeks. We were dedicating ourselves uh, to what the history of the church, has done for for generations. What what, tr- um, and so for me, I really, I'm really thankful for the church calendar. I think it's something we can dive into a little bit more as we participate and reflect on uh, the life of Christ.
1: Yeah, I think I kind of like that framing as the church calendar as a way of orienting our lives around the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, it just seems. So often lost, like in my church, we don't really talk about the church calendar as much as we just talk about, oh, we're in Advent Mm. and now we're in Lent, which skips the Epiphany and Pentecost.
0: Yeah. I really agree with you in that. I understand the excitement to be creative, go through sermon series that are very particular to our context and the here and the now. Like, I really am thankful for pastors who are dedicating uh, their time to research and give uh, support and resources to their congregations for what's happening in the 21st century and the here and now. However, we have an inherited faith that has been practiced for generations. And the church calendar is one of those ways that we can be grateful for it, but also submit ourselves to what Christ has done and is going to do still. And so I think we so often Mm. love the individualization of it. We love how Christ seeks us individually, and that is so good, but it's not holistic. Christ also gave himself for his church for generations, participating in tradition Helps tie us to what Christ has been doing, what God has been doing uh, throughout scripture and since the resurrection and the church skipping Advent wasn't the only one. I mean, you brought up Pentecost and I think like not recognizing the gifting of the Holy spirit. I mean, we're recognizing really significant moments, not just the birth and the resurrection of Christ. Yes. Those are huge. but We're also recognizing when the Holy spirit was gifted to us. We're also recognizing Mm. Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness being tempted. We also participate in Holy week where we travel with Jesus through A very difficult moment that led to his death, but then also led to the resurrection. So these seasons, this calendar produces seasons that allow us to reflect and participate, which then allows us to be Mm -hmm. formed not only by what's happening to us currently in the here and now, but what's happening to us as a church throughout these past generations, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I want to latch on to something that you said, which is that the church calendar ties mm-hmm. us to previous generations of believers, because as much as we have an individual faith, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have a communal yeah. faith. Like, right, yeah. Christ came for for His church, um, as yeah. as much as He came for you and me. And I think that's that beautiful connection—the idea that we are participating in this ritual that has been performed yeah. for generations. Maybe it's just because I'm a fan of history, yeah, right. but I I find that so meaningful to tie my present reality to the yeah. ongoing work yeah. of the church for generations.
0: It moves that individual focus on us to the community around us as we worship the same God, the triune God, together. And I think that can be easily done and well done through the church calendar, uh, and through giving respect and adoration to seasons of Lent, the Epiphany, uh, Pentecost, Holy Week, uh, Advent, and Christmas as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And I think that's cool. And as much as I have a modern print of the Bible that's written in modern English in a language that I understand, and with URLs in the footnotes that I could type into my computer to look up guides for... As modern as this particular Bible is, the faith that I have is an ancient mm-hmm. faith, and the faith that we share is deeply tied to the history mm-hmm. of humanity, and I think that's so cool. It's something that is easy to forget in our and it's modern not, context.
0: And I think part of the conversation is like, the church calendar, the church submitting itself to a calendar is not new. I mean, the the first century church... Uh, And Jewish people were already participating in a calendar uh, that their ancestors had for them. And when we we talk about the Passover, Jesus didn't invent the Passover. He was participating in something that had been participating in for generations. So it's not new to us, and we're not reinventing anything here. We are participating in... um, participating in the traditions of the church and the traditions of the people of God. The beauty of seeing Jesus submit himself to Passover, uh, the festival of the Passover, is also encouragement to us that we can also participate in traditions of the church. And if your church isn't submitting itself to the the, uh, to the church calendar. That's not something I don't think worth leaving a church for quite honestly, but that's a, that's an individual commitment that you can make or a small group commitment you can make with others. Um, and maybe even asking your pastor and staff for resources for your church to be able to participate in the calendar. So I know within the dom- denomination that I'm at, they have Lenten resources, they have Advent resources. So that's something definitely you can have and you can do within your family, uh, within a smaller community that may, even though your church doesn't do currently.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I would say the majority of churches probably are involved in the church Mm -hmm. calendar in one way or another, even if it's just recognizing Easter or Christmas. I think the invitation here is to dive into the history Mm -hmm. of the church and understand what these different seasons are and how we can participate um, in in these historical patterns of life.
0: I agree. I think I find Christmas much more beautiful when I go through Advent leading up to it. I find Easter Mm. a lot more beautiful when I participate in uh, the events of Holy Week leading up to it. Because it's really easy, especially in Easter, when you go from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday from week to week. I mean, you go from celebration to celebration, you go from excitement to excitement. But that week in between is so important as we journey through Jesus' trip to the cross.